Welcome to this GRDC podcast on pre-sowing tips for soil nutrition, where we take a deep dive into zoning and data management. Dialing into the GRDC studio to discuss this is Sean Mason, Agronomy Solutions, also Haram Van Rees from CropFax, and also Daniel Bell from Nutrient Ag Solutions. Gentlemen, thanks for your time. Thanks, Drew. Thank you. Thank you. Daniel, maybe let's start with the fundamentals. What is zoning and why should it be part of a nutrient management strategy? Yeah, so zoning is a good start to do some more site-specific sampling. If you start to zone paddocks and you're able to separate soil types and then site-specific those different zones, you're able to pick up, I guess, the extremities of key soil characteristics like PBI or low nutrient values at a better scale than doing a paddock transect. So that would probably be one of the main reasons that you could zone your paddocks. The other value of zoning a paddock is that once you've got your yield maps over a number of years, you can determine where your high-yielding and your low-yielding parts of the paddock are. And then after you find out what the reasons are for that high and low-yielding parts of the paddock, you could possibly adjust your fertiliser program with variable rate and possibly make a saving of fertiliser or, even better, try to increase the yield on parts of the paddock that can still improve in production. What links are there between zoning and your soil testing or, or sampling strategy? Yeah, I think just leaning on from what Dan and Harm just said, there's absolutely huge benefits of that actually looking at your zone. So again, like Harm said, but over three to four years, identifying high yielding parts of your paddock and low yielding. And I think what is actually coming out of this project is the importance of ground truthing that. So we can quickly establish a fertiliser program of what yield we are getting and simply doing replacement fertiliser strategies, but without actually going in and, and knowing what's driving, particularly your low-yielding zones, whether the constraints are low nutrition, then we're really doing a disservice to that low-yielding zone. We, we do have the opportunity of actually improving gross margins and yields given current fertiliser and, and grain prices. So establishing those zones, but definitely uh, refining your sampling strategies and the depth of transect sampling, but actually going, moving to more specific zones and getting more detailed information matching these yield parts, and it's a great package to work off. What are the benefits of zoning to your nutrient budgeting and planning? Well, essentially, when you're zoning, you know what the soil can provide to the crop so that then you can set a better fertiliser practice in terms of product as well as in terms of rate. If we're purely working on the replacement strategy, meaning that how many kilograms of a particular nutrient, such as phosphorus or nitrogen, you're taking out of the paddock, and you can replace that the following year with the same level of nutrients that you've taken out in the previous year. However, if you're chasing yield, then really understanding what the values are of the soil test, the actual measurements, then you can try to optimise the yield with phosphorus, it has to be done at seeding, but with nitrogen, you can follow up during the year if it's going to be a, a good season. What tools are available to growers to complete zoning, i.e. what sort of software is available and, and what should growers look for when selecting that software? And, and Daniel, this is an area that you've done a bit of work in, I understand. Yeah, it's a, a good question. So what I primarily I would be looking if I was a grower into what software package to use is what data sets do I plan to use to also to zone my paddocks off? So if I wanted to use yield data to then zone my paddocks to do site-specific sampling or a rate application, 
application. You know, you obviously want to choose a software package that can import and process and then give you a way to then, you know, perform those tasks. So you've got to ask your question, what data sets do I want available to use? And then that will lead you on to what tool you eventually choose. Daniel, one of the ones we hear a lot about is NDVI. What do growers need to consider about that? Yeah, for sure. So what NDVI actually stands for is called Normalise a Difference Vegetation Index. And what it basically is, is there's certain satellites that roam around, they're taking pictures of the earth every five to eight days. They all do it at different intervals. And to put it simply, all it's doing you is giving you a number between zero and one that gives you an indication of biomass on the ground. One being the highest and zero being you know bare soil the lowest. Three years ago, you had to order per hectare. Now there's certain platforms out there where it's free. Um, you know, you have to require certain information like your paddock boundary or a crop type or something like that. But um, it's a readily available now to growers. You just need, I guess, someone there to uh, help you through the process of being able to get it. But it is freely available on certain software packages right now. Sean, how can growers utilise the data that comes out of zoning? Well, I think, like Dan mentioned, there's a whole heap of platforms now, and I think. Using a combination of them will give you an overall package of what's driving yields. So, for example, we've got an NDVI, which is an early biomass indication, and then obviously zone that, but then compare those zones with what's actually coming with grain yields. We know our climate scenarios are shifting towards a drier, more prompt finish, so that's particularly important to look at how the zones are behaving for growers, I think. And then, I suppose, reiterating uh, what we mentioned before is actually targeting variable rate and ground truthing these sort of different zones and compared to NDVI and, and grain yields and also grain protein I suppose we can throw in there as another data layer so it's not just simply yield but yeah a whole heap of drivers that's creating these zones. Okay this may be how long's a piece of string then how many zones would you set per paddock or hectare from the data that you've collected? So that depends a little bit on the cedar setup that farmers have if you have variable rate which means that the rate of fertiliser, you can predetermine exactly what goes out and which part of the paddock. It's virtually limitless. You can have three or four or five different zones and as you're seeding, your seeder will adjust each time it gets to a new zone. Now, that's pretty complicated if you don't have variable rate and then it's probably best to work on only one zone, which is the whole paddock. But if you are keen and the zones are fairly definable, like a sand dune and a, and a swale, you can have two very distinct zones and adjust your fertiliser rates as you're seeding across the paddock. I might even jump in there too, Harm. Like, yeah, it's a question that you get all the time is how many zones should I set out in the paddock, etc. And you've got to have the application at the front of your mind and that will then determine how many zones you have. So, for example, if you're doing an in-season variable rate and application and your variation with your field in biomass is very small, well, there's probably no point having an excessive amount of zones because the actual variation is quite small. Vice versa, if you've got a large variation in NDVI, well, then you might expand your zone rates um, to accommodate for that. So I think the how many zones, you've got to have the application in the front of your mind. What data sets should producers then be using for nutrient decisions? That's a very good question. And I suppose there's two aspects to this, but definitely at the lab, assuming we're soil sampling and plant sampling, there's definitely data sets and the soil, your soil testing laboratory should offer this, but definitely a service in terms of critical values. So soil test interpretation, so basing your soil test values off known data or, or research trials where we can actually get critical values. So when we talk about critical values or critical range, that's probably the point of 
minimal response to that fertiliser. So just a simple interpretation. So we've got a value well below that critical range. We know that we need to build that up. And uh, I suppose the opposite would be if we're well above that critical range, then we can we can actually look at fertiliser savings and, and drill down to possibly what's creating that build-up of that nutrient if cash flows are short. There's also uh, sources from GRDC, so there's the funded the Better Fertiliser Decisions for Crop is a great resource, We're just looking around critical values for region-specific. Um, your agronomist should be skilled in this area, but definitely something we can improve, I suppose, with communication and, and training of agronomists. There's trend data, so if you're doing four or five years plus, uh, we can look at trends, so that's an interesting data set, and I suppose... To finish, if we're not soil testing and not looking at these different zone responses, is actually what's been quite useful this project and visually is implementing fertiliser strips. So at the grower level, if you're unsure about your grower rate and whether that's actually maximising yields, a simple strip trial, whether that's incorporating a nil, a half grower rate or even a double rate just to make sure you're adding enough, that's a great visual for the grower who's, one, going around spraying and looking at that visual through the season, but also running through with the, with his or her yield monitor and picking up the results that way. So that's a great easy win there. And I think from a field level, Sean, if um, what data sets we should be using, it's hard to pinpoint down one because it's going to change from region to region, higher rainfall to low rainfall. Probably a takeaway is you've got to have the outcome at the front of your mind. And then also what data sets you use really comes down to a question of cost, accuracy and time. You could do it many, many different ways. Um, it just depends what data sets you've got on hand because there's a lot of ways that you can do it in field. Like Dan and Sean just said, but in relation to potential production, it's also really important to know whether the paddock that you're working on has got subsoil limitations and with that I mean is the rooting depth inhibited because of high levels of salt or boron or even acidity in some parts of Australia and that can have a massive impact on the ability of the crop to realise its potential yield because it can't use all the water that's available in the subsoil. So that important factor has to be linked to the nutrient supply of the crop. Gentlemen, there's lots of in-depth information there for producers to consider. One last question, what's next in this particular project? It's a very good question, Drew. As Harm, myself and Dan would realise, we've got a lot, a lot of data to go through. We're still going through last year's harvest data from the fertiliser strips, which has been an interesting process. But I guess the whole aim of the project was to engage growers and, and get them into a soil testing program and a, and a plant testing program. And un just understanding paddock variabilities is a big key to that. So communicating zones and particularly things like this podcast is key. One question I suppose that does come up with the zones is and how many per paddock is putting soil testing and plant testing into an economic framework. So that's a big key part of the project. So we, we know there's a cost associated with the sampling. There's a cost of the lab, but how much does that get us back in terms of either fertiliser savings or gross margins? So the CSRO project team as well delving into the result and, and, and looking at that at the economic benefits of soil testing. So to actually get, I suppose, economic numbers to the growers to say, look, this is the savings we could be making by better and informative layers on a paddock level and how we can actually interpret the results better looking at zones. Drew, I'd also like to mention that. Uh, we've just performed a recent webinar looking at updating progress on the project, but uh, the next exciting webinar will be a month or two's time and that will be the CSRO project team members will be looking at that just what I said the uh, placing the soil test 
results and plant testing results in the economic framework. So I'm sure that'll be great viewing for everyone involved. Sean, Hum and Daniel, thank you for joining me in the GRDC podcast studio and all the best with the road ahead. Thank, thank you. Very much, you. Cheers.